would you pull that off? Well, you'd have to get a lot of orphans and raise them. <laughs> well, and you'd also... <laughs> Welcome to SinCast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of the Sincast is brought to you by NatureBox. Start snacking healthy with NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com slash Sincast for 50% off of your first order. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined, as always, by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Good morning. Yeah. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. We're back in the studio. We're back in the studio. And... This is the earliest we've ever done a fucking podcast. I was yeah. just going to say that because I am worried I'm going to be grogging today or mm, loopy because yeah. I got like four hours of sleep and it's like 7 a.m. basically on Jeremy time. And <laughs> and because of the way uh, all the schedule and everything is playing out, man, what a fucking horrible topic for us to do <laughs> after work on a morning. <laughs> like the most capacity yeah, ever for, exactly. for a category. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> we are going to do the Mount Rushmore of writers. The best, Jerry. The best. I want to go to Mount Hail to the chief, he's the chief and he needs hailing. Best of the best of the best, sir. That's just, that's very funny to me. Writers. Screenwriters. Yeah. Screenwriters. Talk about a category where you can watch a movie where there's up to six, sometimes eight, yeah. ten writers sometimes. Mm -hmm. I went through a whole bunch of writers, and I was like, whoa, he was also on that movie. <laughs> it's like, who wrote this? Yeah. It's like, they also did that. Yeah. Um, well, and it's another category, like the shit. I was going to say, like the composers, but that episode doesn't exist. No, <laughs> no. Go ahead. Yeah, there was, uh, there was somebody who uh, wrote in Facebook, was just uh, gave us a eulogy for the uh, oh, the composer. Oh, not God. not really like a eulogy, but just kind of like lamented the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the loss of it and the loss of the modern horrors one, but I think we'll we'll be talking to the modern horrors guys again. But, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, screenwriters it's uh, it's a difficult um, it's a difficult topic because you have um, a lot. Not only do you have a lot, you have people who share uh, credit with some of these movies. You don't know who really did what. Yeah. A lot of times who was really ultimately responsible. I think most of the time it is about 50 50, but you know that there's some out there where somebody's getting writing credit and it's like, you know, 5%. Well, what's crazy about this? So you've got story by, which is, uh, you know, the credit where it's, it's based on your idea. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you've got screenplay by mm -hmm. the person that actually like puts all that stuff together and makes the treatment. Yeah. Then you've got written by, which is a post screenplay thing. Right. Or it's or it may be off of like uh, original content or something like that that they've adapted. Yeah. And then you've got uncredited like screen punch ups. Well, yeah, too. there's a lot of that going on, and people get uncredited, and there's probably still some that are unknown as mm -hmm. to who who actually wrote. Like uh, famous examples, Crimson Tide. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Quentin Tarantino came in and and like touched up a lot of the dialogue and put all that Silver Surfer stuff in it. And yeah, all that, whatever. <laughs> probably the Lippin's Honor Stallions was him. The Lippin's Honor Stallions, <laughs> the uh, the Star Trek, yeah. the, you know, all that, you know. 
Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of that going around. And one of the the big ones, and I get. I mean, I don't. I don't really know if we'd launch a writing um, discussion with Robert Town, but he is one of those prominent uh, script doctor guys. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a lot of his own scripts, obviously. But you know, Robert Town was like the for hire script doctor, from what I understand. well, and Carrie Fisher did a lot of that too. Yeah. A lot of uncredited script touch-ups because mm-hmm. she was a very very respected writer do we want to oh sorry go ahead what were you gonna ask i was gonna ask if we wanted to do our three two one thing. oh yeah let's do three to one i'm baffled at where this is going. <laughs> baffled i tell you Jerry. I've, I've switched it three times in my head like from the time i left my house to now yeah let's do it all i right. don't i don't think i'm gonna be right but <laughs> i don't I'm either gonna, i'm gonna do a prominent one so all right all right three two one woody, woody allen, allen. Wow! What? What? Did we all just say Woody Allen? Holy fuck! We just did. Wow! <laughs> that was unexpected. Well, that was unexpected. <laughs> I, I I do agree that it's unexpected. However, no one has been nominated more than Woody Allen as far as screenplays. No one's even fucking close. Really? Well, Billy Wilder's is as close as it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Allen's nominated sixteen times God for man. screenplay. He's won it three times, hmm. uh, which is also, I believe, at least tied for the record. I think there's some asterisks for some people who've won three. I think Francis Ford Coppola has won three, but one, two of them are Godfather movies, mm-hmm. and the other one's Patton. But uh, Woody Allen, 16 nominations. Uh, he won for Annie Hall, Hannah and Her Sisters, and Midnight in Paris. That's not even the you know the depth of uh, how many times he's uh, you know been nominated uh what a weird final movie to a uh, final i mean not that he's not still doing it but like midnight in paris yeah i, I mean I, well, writing Mid- wise midnight it's not in paris there, was sort of think. perceived as sort of a comeback for him even though he's come back a million times yeah. he comes out with movies every year yeah. so yeah he'll have those long stretches where it's like eh, he hasn't really come out with anything in a while and then finally he'll have that one that hits and it's like Oh, he's back. Let's yeah. give him an Oscar. And he's not going to be here for it anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, 16 nominations. Annie Hall, Interiors, Manhattan, Broadway, Danny Rose, The Purple Rose of Cairo, Hannah and Her Sisters, Radio Days, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Alice, Husbands and Wives, Bullets Over Broadway, Mighty Aphrodite, Deconstructing Harry, Matchpoint, Midnight in Paris, and Blue Jasmine. Deconstructing Harry? Deconstructing Harry, sir. Not Bananas? No, bananas is great though. I actually oh, yeah. really enjoy bananas. I was going to get to I was going to get to some of those older ones, bananas and take the money and run. Yeah, uh, some of my favorite Woody Allen's before he became prominent as director and everything. It was uh, you know those those movies are funny, man. Take oh, yeah. the money and running. Bananas got some of the funniest shit ever. And one liners, man. Yeah, like, there's just so many zings in that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what he's the master of, yeah. right? The uh, that that just sort of that turn of phrase or whatever you know he would say say i you know this that and the other thing and you would just be like god how did he come up with that the annie hall is one of the greatest yeah no i love i love how a lot of these things are buried too because it's during like a reaction shot where like somebody's exasperated and like looking up and he'll like just kind of turn aside and say something like witty and pithy Mm -hmm. and then it'll just zap back right into the scene yeah yeah um annie hall's got a lot of those man it's just uh the the 
just the the part where he's with his new girlfriend and they're doing he's trying to recreate the lobster thing yeah. and everything and 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 he goes i'm not the, my, i'm not myself since i stopped smoking and she's like when was that 15 years ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, of course she's like what is that a joke <laughs> is that a joke or something uh, uh shelly duvall isn't it no no shelly duvall is one of the, the other many like girls he tries to oh yeah uh a lot of those different like carol kane carol kane came before maybe came before annie hall hmm. and then maybe maybe shelly duvall no shelly duvall came during the the at during because they were had that little break oh and that yeah. was the uh the one where they're in bed together and diane keaton calls him and says he's got a spider in the oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we were on a break <laughs> <laughs> but uh the the one that one in the lobster scene is is post breakup annie hall like, oh, yeah. like totally have broken up and everything but yeah the, the now obviously there's problems with woody allen yep uh, he can't can't bring his name up without bringing up the, the idea of should we enshrine this person because there's a lot of stuff that goes around with Woody Allen. I don't see now. I don't feel like I know this stuff very well. Oh yeah, I should put stuff in quotes. Like I'm much. I feel like I know like Roman Polanski's situation a little better. Yeah, I feel like I know Harvey Weinstein's situation yeah, a little definitely. better. Uh, but with Woody Allen, I'm murky i know he like married his adopted daughter mm -hmm. that, that was one that's creepy in and of itself mm -hmm. that was one um and now i think i think i saw a headline two days ago that his son has come out very recently with his own allegations of abuse and neglect like i said it's murky for me the, i don't yeah. really know the the whole thing is uh the whole thing that i think I mean, the adopted daughter thing is you know, marrying her, but they've now been married for like twenty something mm -hmm. years. Um, but the uh, the allegations uh, come from uh, Mia Farrow's daughter Dylan, mm -hmm. and she said that there was sexual abuse there. So um, again, it's problematic when when these kind of allegations come out. Of course, you know he hasn't been convicted, mm -hmm. but it's one of those cases where you know. Women rarely lie about this type of stuff. You There's know what very I'm little upside for it. Right. And, uh, and so ultimately he might be like, you know, this is, this is going to be probably inappropriate as far as comparisons, but like guys in baseball who did steroids, mm -hmm. you know, um, do we want to enshrine, uh, people who we knew cheated? Do we know, do, if we know that Alan did this, we don't, but. Why yeah. don't we just make like a separate shithead Rushmore <laughs> for all the people that clearly had talent and respect and nominations, but now have some kind of clout? We can put Polanski up there and put Woody Allen up there. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> um, now my now here here's my personal philosophy in the whole thing. We are judging him on his work. Mm -hmm. And I do think that he deserves to be sort of enshrined. It's all Pete Rose is another kind of example there. Pete mm -hmm. Rose, uh, nothing involved with him doing nothing involved with. Well, actually, it was he was managing baseball and betting on his own right. team. So I mean, yeah, I was about to say it wasn't baseball related, but it is. <laughs> um, but it, it is divorcing one thing for another. We're you know podcast mm -hmm. about the movies itself, so. right? Uh, but, you know, you do want to mention the, the context, obviously. Right. So the my philosophy is if we can divorce it and say, you know, let's look at his screenplays and not his personal life, 
then he should be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to, I hate to like, you know, start off with something that's like, <laughs> like this and then, you know, end him on a down. Well, I mean, and- yeah, because you've got the conflicted legacy because he's got so much content and he is such a brilliant writer, but mm. you have to talk about both things, you know, for voting for uh, one specific thing, like a, a writing uh, accolades, well, then he's clearly are, up there. We are not doing a morality-based thing here. Mm. I think, you know, I think we're all good people, and it's good for us to mention when there are clouds around certain people and not gloss over it. But that's not the objective of what we're trying to do here. We're yep. not, We're not trying to, okay... This is a terrible turn to take, but if we were doing the Mount Rushmore of comedians, Bill Cosby might still get up there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As far and, as an influence, how everybody who coming up through stand up at the time that he after his big peak and everything looked to him as their 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 hero, him and Richard Pryor and and all these guys. Even yeah. that Chappelle special I was watching on Netflix, one of the recent ones. I guess there were two in a row. But he he does a whole riff on Cosby, and he was like, you know, like it's awkward, but I can't forget. And he just rattles off all of Cosby's accomplishments, all the millions he donated to charity, the kids that he sent through college, the careers like Chappelle's that only exist because of Cosby. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have to make this make sense with all of this too. I can't I can't forget this. Um, it's murky, but we're not we're not trying to be the morality police here. Yeah. We're right. not trying to tell you Woody Allen is good or bad. We're trying to decide who are the four most influential screenwriters that would deserve to go into this monument. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's got to so, be in the discussion. Yeah, so get off my back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. You're gonna. I think in this, you're just gonna have people who just say no, no, no. You can't possibly put this guy up. Whatever. Eh, I mean, I don't have that same kind of thought process. I mean, I'm sort of able to divorce the writing with the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And if and and you know, and if that did happen. And I'm sure I'm I'm almost positive it did. Mm-hmm. Um, he should be punished for it, but you're not in this room. We're not going to do that here. Yep. So yeah, we're uh, not going to be spanking Woody Allen. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Only at ten o'clock in the morning. Folks. <laughs> I like Loopy Jeremy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go on to uh, Billy Wilder with 12 nominations. We talked about him as director. Yeah. He also has won three times. The wins are for The Lost Weekend, Sunset Boulevard, and The Apartment. The Apartment's masterpiece, Sunset Boulevard. Yep. Uh, nominated also for Ninochka. Ooh. Uh, Hold Back the Dawn, Ball of Fire, Double Indemnity, which is another yep. great one. Uh, Foreign Affair, The Big Carnival, Sabrina, mm-hmm. Some Like It Hot, and The Fortune Cookie. Uh, a lot of his screenplays are also written with uh, Charles Brackett, who's mm-hmm. also been nominated many times along with Wilder, but only seven for him, so he wasn't on all those screenplays. Um, uh, but uh, Billy Wilder, again, we talk about, you know, it's, he, he his influence as a director, his writing, he was a writer on almost all those movies, mm-hmm. so... Got to be talked about here as well. This is going to be a theme of, you know, writers in the context of writing, but it's also there's going to be some overlap on our directors. Yeah. When I Googled like, you know, I forget what my phrase was. Best screenwriter is blah, blah, blah. It's like every other face on that list was a director. And like, oh, this will be interesting. Who else would you guys like to nominate? Well, let's dive right into Tarantino because we talked about Quentin Tarantino as a director. Almost came out of my mouth at the three, two, one. 
Really? Yeah. Almost. And he was up there along with another person that we're probably talking because about. Because he's too. written every one of his own movies, yep. and then he's been a writer or a doctor on so many other scripts, um, stuff like True Romance and that he didn't direct. Uh, I think he's got a really solid OBP for screenwriting. Yeah. For sure. I um I know that you guys are down on uh, like some aspects of kill bill and uh what else do you guys not like uh um, my opinion of kill bill has actually gotten uh stronger yeah like better over the years i love kill bill mm. and, and i know that you know i know that there's there i don't know w- what the general public overall opinion of kill bill i is, guess it's probably like towards the bottom like of, the first one is more action heavy mm-hmm. and the second one's more tarantino-esque and whatever you want to say but i like i love both of them i think that as far as where we rank them on tarantino's list they're usually going to be lower mm-hmm. just because they're not as they're not as meaty as the other ones but uh tarantino has his his low bar is still so high <laughs> yeah yeah. There's not very many. I can't name one that I wouldn't find. I can't. They can tell you is not interesting and in some way. I mean, the lowest bar is even for him. He said his lowest bar was, um, oh, it was Death Proof, and I love Death right. Proof. So, yeah. Um, well, I, I have see, no arguments about Tarantino here. the The flaw that I see in Django Unchained is the directing. Mm-hmm. And of course, his performance, Tarantino's ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's like five minutes. But it, but it ain't the fucking writing. No, because that thing is written beautifully, mm-hmm. even with all of you know his uncomfortable language in there, which he kind of specializes mm-hmm. in. Uh, but he, the writing is arguably the best part of any of his movies. Yep. So it, yeah, I really think he's yeah, one he of the, to be he's one there. of the few that his writing and directing are, I think pretty equal i mean this Django is i think an exception but he's a guy you can tell he's just he loves being behind the camera as much as he loved writing it as much as you know i mean he loves making movies yeah. basically yeah um so yeah tarantino the the he's only i mean he's only been nominated three times he's won twice um the the you know obviously it's a shame he never got any kind of accolades for jackie brown yeah uh jackie brown was uh is a movie that i think is still underrated today and um was he even nominated for adapted with that no he does have a credit for adapted screenplay right yeah that would okay. be an adapted screenplay uh he won for pulp fiction he won for django um and he got nominated for inglorious bastards i don't think i don't i mean kill bill has a lot of good moments in it i wouldn't call that like a screenplay driven type of movie yeah. although the second part is kind of um it has a lot more screenplay, you know, meaty dialogue in it and everything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, 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 that guy's OBP, like we, <laughs> like we're talking about, is amazing. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I, I mean, Tarantino is definitely going to be up there when we, when we do the, when we do our nominations. Yeah, I agree. Um, man, so many people are directors, though. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the thing. It's uh, we go through all this stuff, man. They're just it's writer director, and some of the people that you would that you never think of as writers also were writers on their movies. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola, for instance. Yeah, you know, Coppola is first and foremost to me a director, but the guy won an Oscar before he was even famous as a director. Right. He, he, he wrote Patton. Um, and then, of course, it was The Godfather, The Godfather 2, and Conversation. He won for both Godfathers, and he won for Patton. Uh, and then he got nominated for The Conversation in Apocalypse Now. 
and that's basically his career yes. essentially <laughs> yeah. i mean like after that it's sort of like yeah kind of <laughs> like that movie but not it's not those other movies yeah. you know um who else I'll throw in a modern name that I at least think needs to be discussed, and that's Mr. Sorkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Sorkin. He's when my th- boy. When you think about screenwriters in 2017, he's arguably the first person that pops into your head, if right? You're, yeah. I think if you're a studio and you're putting together a prestige awards film, and you're talking about directors like Nolan and Fincher, and you're talking about writers like Sorkin. Of course, Sorkin and Fincher have worked together a couple of different times, and usually to great results. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's got a great career. He was around writing before you ever knew who he was. He wrote A Few Good Men. Uh, he wrote uh, An American President. Um, what else? is uh, So uh, Sorkin, I mean, I was about to say, he's one of the few people out there that you can call a star writer. Like, mm-hmm. they will put his name on the on the trailer yep from the writer of yeah um sorkin's only been nominated twice now he has a career that he doesn't i mean a lot of these writers that's the thing they're not writing a million screenplays mm-hmm. i looked at some of these best ones or whatever you know it tops out usually around 20 something to 30 yeah right it's not like uh like actors or whatever and even directors i think direct more movies than screenplays get written uh, but Sorkin's been nominated twice. He won once. It was for the Social Network. Uh, the other one was Moneyball, which he also co-wrote with. Um, God, I can't think of the name right now. Um, what a good movie! It's, it's another one of those where you know yeah. there's two writers on it that were amazing. Um, it is weird with all the the awards attention that A Few Good Men and Steve Jobs got that he didn't get nominated for the screenplays of those mm-hmm. movies. A Few Good Men, arguably, the screenplay is is one of the that's st- the star the, yeah exactly yeah so it's really shocking with all the nominations that happened with a few good men it's it didn't get a screenplay yeah. um but uh sorkin of course also i, th- I think would sort of be remiss not to discuss the west wing and all this yeah. even though it's a movie show uh he was sort of the driving force behind all those scripts too for the first four seasons yep absolutely yeah um i think uh i think it's who is it uh, is it david e kelly is the guy who actually writes wrote everything like in ally mcbeal and everything Probably. like, oh, like yeah. i think there were some people who i think david e kelly got that reputation for uh you know not letting anybody else write the the stuff that he was a part of and people <laughs> were like man you are just you you're gonna wear yourself out doing this stuff but sorkin uh definitely behind the west wing you have to add that to his whole resume there another another writer though that he doesn't have very many just misses no 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 um he's got a very good obp yeah um he had he does i mean he doesn't have like a ton of credits as far as like individual credits and everything but I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Almost yeah. everything that he's done, he did uh, Charlie Wilson's War as well. Oh, oh wow. yeah, and of course, Newsroom and yeah, uh, Newsroom Sports Night. We were talking about on, on our last episode. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's got a. You see, with these credits, yes, there's there's a lot of movies on there, but then somebody will step in and do like an episode or two or a season of of TV. Yeah. And it makes sense with these, especially with the prestige uh, dramas and all that. He also, by the way, I don't know if if this was in that lost that lost uh, episode, but you talked about Malice in uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that was he, in the he, lost. He wrote Malice. Oh, oh nice. so he wrote that. I am God. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that lines up perfectly. Uh, let's see. Well, of course, there's three other. He's a story. He wrote screenplay too. Scott Frank, who's another guy that came up when I was going through all this, it was uh, Scott Frank. I did out of out of sight. Out of sight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. 
but uh, yeah, yeah, I talk about Aaron Sorgan. I'm going to talk about somebody that Barrett hates, Joel and Ethan Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny. the writer credit always goes to Joel, right? No, and then it goes the, to Ethan. Go, Ethan. It goes to Ethan. Okay. But uh, I, actually, you know. I think these. Well, I think that's how they decided it. Like technically, with the writing, they could have both of them on there. Yeah. Like the direct, the DGA is like, "Fuck you! You can't have like, <laughs> you know, have a two Even monster. though there's Lord and Miller and all these <laughs> other guys now, but uh, um, <laughs> but the uh, the Coen Brothers, as as great a directors as they are, almost everything that they write is is. Uh, you know, it's part of how great the movie is. It's yeah. Genius. You know, um, we well, we put them on the director Mount Rushmore, <laughs> and they've probably written what ninety five percent of the movies they've made. I would say they've written all the movies they've made, plus uh, a couple movies that they didn't make. There might be it might be something like uh, Intolerable Cruelty or something. Maybe they didn't write. All right, <laughs> no, I, at least makes sense. At actually. least I hope that <laughs> hope they didn't write that shit. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, awesome. The uh, well. Oh, no, no, they did write it. Shit. There's like five or six fucking writers on an intolerable. Oh, my God. But yeah, um, they they were not. So, so just for writing, they've been nominated six times. They won twice. They won for Fargo, Nun Country and for Old Men. That's what they won for directors as well. Um, they also got nominated for Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, Serious Man, True Grit, Bridge of Spies, which is a, a weird oh, yeah. one to get nominated for. But um, uh, but uh yeah, I mean, this doesn't even include all the ones that they're they're known for. Big Lebowski, Burn After Reading, Raising Arizona, all these movies. I mean, so... Those screenplays are, use profanity so well. Yes, they do. I mean, you got it. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and all the shit in uh, Burn After Reading. Like, yeah. Are you interested in the security of your shit? <laughs> <laughs> and that movie probably has the most fucks and shits of yeah. all of their catalog. They, it's awesome. They're just really good at, I mean, this is the the reason why I like The Big Lebowski so much is, is yes, it's funny, but also they decided to put a stoner character in this story that is the most confusing possible um it is uh you know there's there's a there's all these you know, just like what he says in the movie there's a lot of ends a lot of outs <laughs> a lot of what have you's <laughs> um new information yeah he's like <laughs> yeah he's like he's like you, you're just not privy to the new shit you know <laughs> um so yeah, I mean it's one of those things where there's so many little pieces to everything. Like, I, the 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 point in Big Lebowski where you officially realize he's in the most confusing situation ever is when John Polito, the uh, the private detective, yeah. comes up and he's like he's like I'm like you, man. I'm a dick too. And uh and he's like uh he's like what are you here for? And he's like I'm here for the Knutsons. <laughs> the Knutsons? Who the fuck are they? <laughs> you know? And and you know and then, and it turns out that Bunny is like the daughter that got lost and you know <laughs> the parents are still looking for her and all that and he's like the fuck man does he like show her a picture of the farm and she'll yeah, come yeah, back he's, and he's like, like I, i'll be sure to do that yeah he's like he's like oh they what they i don't know what they'll do when they see carl hungus <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah man they 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 do those really well um and it, no matter what, as far as if you if you watch a Coen Brothers movie that you don't like, there's always something great screenplay wise in those in those. Movies. Yeah. So yeah, even uh, uh, the Oscar Isaac one, the uh, yeah Inside uh, Lewin Davis, yeah Inside Lewin Davis, which uh, people continue to say you need to give that a second chance mm -hmm. and everything. I I enjoyed Inside Lewin Davis when I first watched it, and then it was one of those that actually when I started thinking back on it was like not as good as when I first watched it. 
Um, because it's just, I don't know, it feels like they put in, I don't know, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, all right, well, who else, guys? Um, another couple writer-directors that are modern, which I, this is going to be my role today, throw out people who aren't going to win, <laughs> um, but Alexander Payne and Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't yep. know, man. Uh, Alexander Payne is another OBP guy. Yeah, well, they both he and Paul Thomas Anderson both are, and they both write most of their own screenplays for the films they direct, mm-hmm. and they both... Uh, they, their resumes have very few misses. Um, you know, I think the Alexander Payne movie I, I liked the least was Nebraska. Yep. And it was lauded. Like, it got nominations out the ass. Everyone in the industry loved it. Um, so, you know, probably just didn't hit me right. Um, but, man, both those guys have a really high old BP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Alexander Payne is usually paired with Jim Taylor. Um, they uh, they wrote uh, Citizen Ruth, which was their first big breakout movie, uh, Fantastic Election, of course, which I can't stop talking about. Um, they were also, and, and and there's no way that, I mean, they're either for hire writers and they just said, hey, come in here and do some shit. I don't know what they did, but Jurassic Park 3, they're on. That's maybe their one. Oh, yeah. Wow. They're one that the, you know. You're like, really? Did they? Did they honestly? Did they honestly come up with this movie? Um, so that's the one blight. But I, I can't blame. Can't, they cannot possibly have written that movie <laughs> as it is. We see it. Um, but uh, about Schmidt sideways. Um, and they also, I guess, they also did. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. There are a couple of blights on there. That's um, bizarre. I, I think that one's more baffling than the other one. Yeah. Um. And the yeah. and then the, the descendants and this downsizing looks awesome. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Um. Paul Thomas Anderson, like you said, another one who's who's I I think every one of those has at least even if you don't like a movie here and there, there's it's still he's still great as a writer. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. So you've got Boogie Nights and you've got Magnolia that is chock full of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's got to be a packed screenplay. Plus the, you know, the movie is long. Both of them are long too. And then you've got There Will Be Blood, which is real short on dialogue. It's more like director heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have The Master, which I, I know I keep talking about this movie, but the dialogue in that and putting it in Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix's mouths especially in the scenes that they have together, especially that auditing scene, Mm -hmm. is electric. Yeah. Um, Whether you like the content of the master, you cannot really um, argue with the direction or the screenplay for that movie. And even a movie that I think a lot of people were a little down on, Inherent Vice. Oh, that's hilarious. has great dialogue yep. and everything like that um you know it's a it's a really hard movie to watch uh at times uh i i actually have turned completely to enjoying inherent vice <laughs> but uh you know it takes a while to get into that because it's you know when you watch it the first time it's like this is fucking confusing. <laughs> yes, it is. This doesn't make much sense. It's like Big Lebowski, only you're confused as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. Boogie Nights and Magnolia have a lot of like great dialogue in it, and then the master is a little more spare. But it, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's very you know diverse. He's able to write all kinds of script. There will be blood. Has got some of the most you know like shocking type of dialogue yeah. in it and everything well and he jumps he he genre shifts and he jumps time periods and types of 
tone. Like you've got punch drunk love. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, Boogie Nights would be my baseline, Paul Thomas Anderson. But then you've got, st- you know, stuff like Inherent Vice, and he's not afraid to go exploring. Yeah. Uh, and, and still succeeds when he does. Well, he even said after he got done with Magnolia and he did There Would Be Blood, he's like, I got tired of reading dialogue, reading my own dialogue after those two movies because they just felt too much like me. So I went to There Will Be Blood after that and made made a conscious decision to make something different. Which is crazy because that was loosely based on that up to Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't read Oil, yeah, uh, but uh, it, it apparently is very passing resemblance to right, it. Right, right. <laughs> I love that Seinfeld episode where her former boss steals her muffin top business idea, <laughs> but he's got an exclamation point at the end of the name. <laughs> and she's like, it's not top of the muffin, do ya? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, those are good ones. And I, I, I mean, if I think that if there's any way at all that, they, I mean, I think there's a, a chance that they could get up there, mm-hmm. actually. Both Payne and, and PTA could probably do that. I'm going to mention another one, though. Uh, Shane Black. Ah. Yeah. Um, Shane Black uh, is essentially responsible for your buddy cop movie from the 80s. Lethal Weapon is, is you know, he's on all of those. Um, is he on all four? I believe so. Really? Uh, unless it's characters. Yeah, it's characters. It starts getting, that's the other problem is that these guys get credited for their <laughs> characters and shit. <laughs> I um, own rigs. Yeah. He wrote Lethal Weapon and then he was like story Lethal Weapon 2. Then it was characters and Lethal Weapon <laughs> Uh, he also wrote the Monster Squad, which I couldn't go through. Uh, I couldn't go through fifth grade without hearing a bunch of kids tell me the Wolfman don't have nard. Yeah. Um, the last Boy Scout is another one. That like was he, just on the other day. Yeah, and he and and he, Shane Black has that sort of style to him, that over the top action flick that has like smarter dialogue than you would think. I remember kind of liking that movie. No, it's one of those movies. Yeah, last yeah. Boy Scout. Last Boy Scout is a trashy fucking right. movie. It's yeah, not yeah. good. It's not great or anything. Uh, you have his writing and you have Tony Scott directing it. <laughs> a it's lot of just, explosions. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, I mean, the beginning of the movie is a guy who's like uh, owes money to gangsters and shit, and he and uh, he comes out of halftime and is like the rainiest fucking football game ever. <laughs> yeah, and gets the ball and shoots the last defender. That's, <laughs> You know, he, he and he pulls out a gun and shoots the guy and gets in the end zone and like you know, like that's gonna fucking like that that's against the rules. Uh, yeah, I think it's against the rules. That's right. That's against the rules. You can't do that. It's got his signature dialogue though. Uh, you can tell it's because uh, again, it was on the other day and I watched part of it and they're like in this house investigating, looking for something. And Bruce Willis is like, "Where are you going?" And Wayne's is like, "To the bathroom. You want to come with me?" The doctor said I shouldn't lift anything too heavy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, the last Boy Scout is really fucking enjoyable. It's not a good movie, right? But it's one of those. It's anytime it's on, I watch it. You just read the description, though. It's like a a a cop with a bunch of trouble in his past, who's or ex Secret Service agent, teams up with a former quarterback mm. to try and solve the murder. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, in the climax of the movie, there's if I remember right, there's like C four strapped to a football, and somebody has to throw it like a football yeah, pass. Yeah, really I think so. It's it's just a lot of ridiculous. Uh, it's it's almost to the point of where sudden death yeah. got to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you know how I feel about that. Yeah, movie. absolutely. Like like 
look, if you're going to be ridiculous, you should be like last boy scout. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you know, you should just, you, I'm, you know, you, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay. Well then that opens the door for so many other things <laughs> yeah. and that will make it more enjoyable for everyone. Now he's also uh, the screenwriter of last action hero. And it's weird. That movie has developed a little bit of a cult following over the years. Oh yeah. I'm part of it. Um, I have not watched it since, well, I've seen parts of it since I saw it way back in, in 93. Also, the movie that uh, launched my movie theater career was Last Action Hero. Ah. It was a week after Jurassic Park. Last Action Hero! Yeah. Uh, Last That's Action- a Tesla song, by the way. Nice. Yeah. Last Action Hero um, has, has gotten a little bit more uh, thought uh, added to it since uh, now it's 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um you know the the idea that uh, that the stuff that happens in the movie that we found found so ridiculous in '93 actually looks like pretty good satire now. Yeah, years I think later. that satire has aged well. I think it's a lot like Starship Troopers. It was just not marketed as satire it enough. It certainly wasn't. And so people went in expecting one thing and got another. But I think if you kind of step back and look at it from that satire angle, pretty there's a cartoon cat working at the police department. <laughs> How, yeah. do you, how can you not enjoy that? Yeah. We should uh, have a night where we all get together and, and drink a bunch of alcohol and watch Last Action Hero. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> we should do a, a back-to-back feature of the Last Boy Scout and Last Action Hero. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I you guarantee could, Chris has got both well, of them. What I'm saying is you can also throw in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. I love that The Long movie. Kiss Goodnight is another one of those. I uh, mean, Samuel Jackson and Gina Davis. And that was a Rennie Harlan movie. I mean, he writes screenplays that like some, some really over-the-top directors get their hands on yep. and uh and long kiss good night you know there's that part where sam jackson like uh saves gina davis and and she's like uh she's like sorry it took so long i was because uh, he said something about uh, ham on rye he what comes up behind the bad guy with a gun i can't believe you're quoting this this is exactly the scene i was just about to bring <laughs> yeah. up and he like co- racks his shotgun or whatever or so it cocks his handgun forget what it but he this ain't no ham on rye and, and she's like where you been he's like sorry it took a while i was trying to think of that ham on rye <laughs> <laughs> And and when you hear dialogue like that that comes out of nowhere in a movie that's just gonna be forgotten and you know yep. in a week or yeah. whatever, suddenly you're like, oh, you look back favorably upon the Long Kiss Goodnight, and it's another one of those movies you can watch at any fucking time. Uh, he would go on, he would have a a big break there after Long Kiss Goodnight, and then he came back with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang which is amazing still underrated and underviewed and all that um kiss kiss bang bang is amazing and then last year a couple years ago nice guys yeah uh another another great one uh in between there he did iron man 3 but again eh, marvel's really in charge yeah it's not him oh yeah if it was just shane black that would have been a fun there was glimpses in there yep absolutely um so um looking forward to seeing what else he does he does uh, he's doing the predator yeah that Uh, that looks interesting um shane black is definitely somebody worth mentioning i don't know if he would get up on a mount rushmore but uh man he's pretty solid Mm -hmm. i mean just the just like you were saying just that he's sort of inventing that over the top r-rated buddy cop genre Mm -hmm. that is worthy of consideration yeah Yeah. just for that who else goes well we're all essentially comedy writers here Mm -hmm. and i i could do a whole comedy writers block of mount rushmore i think the head of that for me 
as two heads. I'm not going to put them together, but I'll mention Mel Brooks first. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mel Brooks. You're going to put them with Carl Reiner? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, History of the World Part One. I like it. I think it's fun. Producers. Like the guy just nails comedy writing he, all the timing uh still you know directs still acts in a lot of these things he kills me like his brand of humor was right up my alley growing up and still is especially something like young frankenstein yeah mel brooks has been nominated twice he won once um he won for the producers which is his best screenplay i mean it's clear for the the remake no Oh, okay. No, the 1967, 68 movie. The, the remake got like kind of good reviews, didn't it? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Oh, it didn't? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, the, you know, it's funny. The Broadway version. The Broadway yeah, yeah. version with Nathan Lane and Moder- Matthew Broderick was one of the biggest hits on Broadway. Right. Then they made the movie with the same people. Yeah. And uh, no. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good, obviously. As it's the one original. of those things, though. You have to compare it to a lot of things, like the, that that movie. You have to compare to if you saw the Broadway play, which I did. I saw it with Alan Ruck playing the Matthew Broderick character. Really? Ironically, interesting. I saw that at TPAC. Huh. Um, but uh, that was really good. But you have to compare it to that, and you got to compare it to the old producers, which that's the one that I always think of when someone says the producers. I don't even think about that Broadway thing, and I don't think about the remake for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but the the original one uh, is is fantastic. Um, Anytime he's paired up with Gene Wilder, it was yes, genius. yes, absolutely. Young Frankenstein and uh, Blazing Saddles yeah. is great, and uh, and and uh, but yeah, man, the producers is such a genius idea. Yeah, he exactly as they say in the screenplay, you know, in the movie, I got the wrong, I got the wrong director, I got the wrong <laughs> writer, I got the wrong actor. Tell me where I went right. <laughs> How did I go right? Um, uh, yeah, so so Brooks, uh, two nominations, one win. The win was for the producers. The other nomination was for Young Frankenstein, which is awesome as well. So good. Blazing Saddles had like six writers on it. Uh, cr- I mean, you know, who knows how many. That's interesting. Did what Richard Pryor was one of them. Huh. He was going to be the he's going to be the Cleavon Jones character. Huh. Um, where are all the white women at yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but I, I i can't remember if it was because Pryor was going through his big cocaine phase or if it was because he was worried about his image uh, or... i don't know i mean that that movie is so ahead of its time very much ridiculous so. i mean the balls <laughs> the cleavon little is what i meant right cleavon jones the balls uh, on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be a ballsy movie to make today. I know. Well, you wouldn't be able to make that to movie today. Probably not. You wouldn't be able to make yeah. that movie today. It was it was perfectly placed in that in that period. Yeah, you you know, there's there are things in that movie that if you even as a joke, you wouldn't be able to get away with. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, Mel Brooks is a good call. I I I think that once after after Spaceballs there's a sort of you get robin hood men in tights yeah uh which is off and on that actually came on the other day i started watching it and i was like man to be 16 again yeah (laughs) because this isn't that good anymore i love amy yazbeck though oh yeah um but uh but yeah mel brooks has you know has a has a really good solid uh foundation yeah yeah. you know even some of the movies that didn't really hit tremendously well in the 70s like high anxiety and and uh was it silent movie and mm-hmm. 
all those. I mean, have their moments, but they're not nearly what Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, the producers are. Yeah. But uh, God, it's so good. Well, the other comedy writer, and it, it's basically a troupe, but the one that gets credit for it is Terry Gilliam and uh, mm, Monty Python. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Which I tremendously influential. I mean, not only for the Flying Circus, but the stuff that they would come up with and, you know, leave this lasting legacy in the Holy Grail, Life of Brian, and Meaning of Life. That's that's just with three movies. It's incredibly influential. Did he write Twelve Monkeys? Uh, he directed Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, but did he write it? As no, well? he didn't write it. Cause see, I I feel like yeah, super influential. But it's really hard to know, you know, how many of those jokes did John Cleese write? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to give all the credit for for that influence just to him, especially when his solo career has gone on to be so batshit crazy. <laughs> Like that guy is attracted to the most lunacy. Oh God! Yeah, he adapted *Fear and Loathing* in Las Vegas, and then he—I uh, think he wrote *The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus*. He did um, the Baron von Munchausen yeah. thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazil. Uh, by the way, uh, 12 Monkeys was Dev David Webb Peoples, who has credits including Unforgiven and Blade Runner. Oh, mm. wow. On his, on his list. Uh, also uh, with Janet Peoples, who I don't know is his wife or sister or what. but uh, Oh, they're cousins to Mario Van Peoples? Yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, indeed. Peoples and Peoples, they're the yes. same. Um, <laughs> The other nomination, not nomination, but the other uh, credited writers because of the original movie called La Jete that I've talked about a couple of times. Uh, Chris Marker also was uh, is credited on 12 Monkeys. Um, yeah, I mean, it, when it gets to comedy troops, where, yeah. do, you, where do you where do you go? I, I had the similar similar situation with the Zucker brothers and Jim Abrahams. Mm. Yeah, because how many I mean, every one of those guys probably pitched a third of that right whole thing and they were all sort of directors on that like the actors that talk about airplane and everything to say you know you just you could go to any one of them and they could just tell you what's you know what's going on in the scene and yeah. what, how to play it and all that um it's something that by the way the way the zucker brothers did uh movies is sorely missing in i think in cinema today like the the uh you know we we got that heavy dose of uh jason uh friedberg aaron seltzer stuff where they took the like i don't know the bare essentials out of the zuckers or mm -hmm. whatever and then turned it into some weird pop culture reference a fun type of thing that was going like their references would be dated by the time the movie came out yeah, yeah. you strip um, the intent of the satire to to just go for the rawest silliest bullshit yeah and uh you know and no one has gone back and said and it's probably going to take some time because i think that friedberg seltzer uh, taint has <laughs> sort of uh, it stank yeah exactly <laughs> um is Did it, just talk about their taint <laughs> we it's had a double meaning uh, okay their taint stank their taint stank um they uh oh god that's right um but uh i think it's probably going to take some time before finally someone comes out with a movie like that again and is able to confidently try to do it you look at those zucker brothers things almost never does anybody like let in on the joke right mm -hmm. there's never occasionally somebody will might give a little bit of a reaction or something but they play it so straight as it as these movies evolve or devolve over the years and everything, you start seeing people 
like take that second look or that 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 double take or that you know and it's like no that's not how you do that shit <laughs> right um and even the zuckers you know once they started when they were making well it was basically just david zucker after a while i don't think jerry zucker was interested in making those type of movies anymore but man even even movies directed by him had that kind of like like um we're letting people in on it mm-hmm. people are stupid they won't know that this isn't serious um that's anyway. why leslie nielsen was so perfect like didn't leslie nielsen start off as like a like a stage he actor, was, like a, a, serious he was a serious actor. actor in the 50s and 60s and everything and then uh yeah I, they hired him to still essentially be that yeah that's the perfect conduit yeah playing playing these really ludicrous situations straight yeah um there's a story too about airplane where uh robert stack and and lloyd bridges are are like talking to each other and in between takes and um and lloyd bridges was kind of having a hard time with it he's like man i don't don't know about this or whatever what's what's the joke and and robert stack turned to him he said we're the joke (laughs) (laughs) because we because we were serious actors and we're in this playing this ridiculous movie straight did they do uh hot shots uh that was uh that was abraham's directed that oh, okay uh i believe that one of their other like sort of like their cohorts pat proft i think was one of the guys who uh, wrote wrote that uh yeah abraham sort of broke off on his own and did hot shots yeah that's the last that i remember of like really enjoyable yeah um, yeah of, of that ilk basically right. and, and that, that lasted up until like uh, i guess and late they kind of kind of they kind of get forget forgotten in there i mean like yeah those are great like mm. I, I like hot shots part do yeah, better yeah uh it's uh just i mean so i mean yeah that's the yeah those are probably the last ones like the naked gun obviously started getting stupid <laughs> the the, the the two and a half was okay and then 33 and a third which wasn't even the zuckers yeah you know, that was not very good at all oj <laughs> yep. Um, I can I can nominate a few others if you want me to guys to kind of sort of take it over and yeah, run, uh, and run down some. The names. only other one I wanted to mention uh, is another one I don't think will get up there, but I think Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan write most of the screenplays for Nolan's films. And mm-hmm. when we talked about him as a director, he had a pretty good OBP. Oh yeah. Um, so and then Jonathan has even done some stuff on his own, like Westworld on HBO um and so i think there's a lot of talent there i think maybe six or seven more years and they'd be a shoe in for for this kind of discussion the thing about uh christopher nolan and jonathan nolan is that they're uh they maybe you don't really remember a lot of dialogue in there but Mm -hmm. their concepts are Mm -hmm. what really drive those movies and 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 it's another sort of aspect of screenplays we sort of have to think about because uh, you know, as much as, you know, we, what do we think of James Cameron? He's a screenwriter too on a lot of these movies. Yeah, but he's terrible at it because his dialogue is well, his shit. His dialogue is shit, but his concepts are great. Yes, I agree. And uh, now Nolan obviously can write better dialogue, uh, but uh, the concepts on that, you know, like, you look at what Cameron's behind, Terminator, and, you know, he's even, he's, he, I mean, he's, I don't know how many of these movies, like, he just wrote stuff on, or maybe he wrote a bulk of it. He's always got somebody else with him on those. Um, but, uh, you know, that's another guy. It comes up with great concepts, mm-hmm. and the movie, of course, he, he takes it as a director and then just blows it out of the water, but 
but uh but yeah nolan i think you're right i think if no one had a, a few more on there mm-hmm. although i don't know if that's a good criteria with the writers because they're not none of these guys really yeah. have a lot like you can't really see like a a huge foundation of like just 10 15 hit screenplays a lot yeah. of times usually it's about five or six yeah no you're right um uh david mamet obviously needs to be mentioned yep uh mamet um damn it mamet yes <laughs> damn it mamet um the, he's gotten two nominations in his life the verdict and wag the dog those are both great wag movies the they are both great movies but not what we think of mamet for. yeah no uh we think of mamet with glengarry glenn ross the untouchables uh state and maine the spanish prisoner uh heist there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff um I don't know if it hurts him that he's probably still more known as a playwright than a movie guy. You think he still is? I think he is. Hmm. I think Mamet, I think when you think of David Mamet, the first thing you're going to think of is his plays that were that were big. Could be. They and, just then, and then he so translated well, yeah. into movies after that. Now, he's made stuff for movies that mm-hmm. didn't have a, I don't, you know, didn't have an original play to, to back up on. But uh uh mammoth is just one of those guys i I've, I've heard a couple people who don't like mammoth for whatever reasons i don't really? know why he wrote know do that. that entire blake speech for the movie it wasn't yeah, originally in the play that's true which is crazy to me yeah because yeah, that's just not. so embedded well, into all that it became such a thing that yeah. they put it in the play after that did they really i believe so <laughs> um although there was a there was a play i mean it might have been a play after that and Pacino was playing not Roma, but uh, maybe the Jack Lemon character, huh. Shelley. I think he was playing Shelley uh, in the play after that. And then they they still didn't have the Baldwin character. They didn't have the Blake character. Uh-huh. I think they have added that, though, since. Yeah, or maybe there's some other productions who, who do decide to put it. It would be a little bit disappointing to go to see that play and that part wasn't in there. I know. You know cause, yeah. It's but, like going to see, you know. The Harvey Danger play, and they they don't play flagpole sit. Obscure ass fucking reference. Oh, that was a good one. Good pull. Uh, all right, I'll start running down some here. Um, mm-hmm. that I ran across. Ernest Lehman, six nominations, zero wins. Uh, he's he's also credited for Sabrina, along with Billy Wilder. Uh, he got nominated for North by Northwest, West Side Story, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and Hello Dolly. He's also been uh, he also was on the screenplay for The Sound of Music, Smell, Sweet Smell of Success, and The King of King and Us. That's crazy. He's uh, also got a great church board name. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> Ernest Layman. Um, He's an Ernest Layman. We can trust him. But uh, yeah, a lot. Uh, a, good amount of uh, attention for him, even though he's not a name writer. Oliver Stone, who yeah. we didn't name uh, as in, in the director's cat. I think I recognize Stone more as a director than a writer, but almost everything he's directed, he wrote. I came this close to putting him on my list, and then I went, nah, I'm not going to do that. Six nominations as writer and one win. He won for Midnight Express, which kind of huh. is kind of like uh, Francis Ford Coppola. He, he, he got an Oscar-winning screenplay before he was known as a director. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he won for Midnight Express. He had Salvador. He had Platoon. Born on the 4th of July, JFK and Nixon. Of course, you recognize those last ones as all movies as he directed. Um, 
he also wrote Scarface, which again I don't like, but mm-hmm. you know that was what he was. That's what he did uh, before he was a big director. He wrote Midnight Express and he wrote Scarface, and then then he wrote and directed and all that. Scarface does have some good dialogue. It, in it does, though. it does, and in fact, it it might be the best part of the movie as yeah. far as is you know. I mean, I just don't like the movie. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, who is the uh, uh, Robert Loggia is like. All you, you got to worry about is how to spend all the fucking money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. The the dialogue in there is is crackling. You say what you will about the performances and all that stuff. Another notable writer, Paul Schrader. Yeah, mm, he Tra- was great on the Dave Letterman show. He was right. <laughs> um, it's amazing how a guy who wrote Taxi Driver just sat there behind keyboard the whole time. Like during, <laughs> you never during, know it to look you at. You never him. know, man. <laughs> I hated Paul Schaefer. I fucking hated Paul <laughs> yeah, Schaefer yeah. because he was just this fucking soundboard, and he was just <laughs> now before then, like because he named that band the world's most dangerous band. Mm-hmm. It was a terrific band, but like he was such a fucking parody back there mm-hmm. that it just grated on my nerves because Letterman was so great and so biting and he had this just like mass of like <laughs> anyway i don't know there's a there's something to be said for playing that role though i guess so the if you don't have that there like i what i liked about paul schaefer is that he did do that in a thankless role basically and when he would ever sort of like repeat what David Letterman just said or whatever he was like, he's basically adding some uh, credence to it, you know? Yeah. Uh, when when you take some of the things that he says as normal and just start discussing it the way he used to do and everything, and I, 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 I understand where you're coming no, from. No, I know. And I he he was the leader of the Saturday Night Live band uh, before then. Like, had it's a brilliant musician. Obviously, He'd done some great albums, but in that role, if just grated on my nerves anyway paul schrader yes yes paul schrader uh mostly known for martin scorsese movies so the question becomes is it one of those things where it's a screenplay is it scorsese hmm. but uh raging bull and uh last temptation of christ are all nominate well all oscar nominations wow. for paul schrader he also got nominated for um no he didn't get nominated he never got nominated he didn't get nominated for Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, or Last Temptation of Christ. Mm. No nominations at all. He also wrote Affliction and American Gigolo. Oh, wow. Huh. Um, and I think he has an uncredited uh, uh, screenplay on Cat People. That's the movie he directed. Um, did you ever see Cat People? I did. Is it Not, good? Nastasha Kinski is naked about 90% of the movie. <laughs> that was her like whole like career her in thing. the 90s. Right? That was her thing. <laughs> This was 80s, I believe. Um, this was like 82 or whatever. Yeah, Nastasha Kensky, man. Um, uh, Steven Zalian. Yeah. Four nominations, one win. He won for Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other nominations are for Awakenings, Gangs of New York, and also Moneyball. That was the guy who was with okay. Sorkin. So Zalian and Sorkin, that's quite no a No wonder Moneyball's so good. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. The dialogue in that. It has to be perfect, right? Because the performances are great, but it's such like a... A, a, a finite story and well, it had to be to be cinematic it had to have like a rip-roaring screenplay and philip seymour hoffman has such a thankless role in that movie mm-hmm. because he's basically just bitching and complaining the whole time but he carries it in a way that you still feel sympathy for him yep. and the situation that he's in anyway um zalian also did searching for bobby fisher and that was the same year as schindler's list he had uh zalian was on a track there to be kind of like a star writer there Mm -hmm. for a while and i I don't know exactly what happened 
Um, but uh, I I knew the name Stephen Zellian back in 1993, sure. and I was 16, <laughs> so his name was prominent. Um, Zellian, I thought he was going to be now. This this is a guy who will not make the uh, Rushmore of writers. Is Joe Esterhaus, who did uh, right. Basic Instinct and Showgirls and all that. <laughs> And later on decided that his work was was evil and became a Christian afterwards and whatever. Well, he's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those two movies are evil. Yeah, I don't know. Basic Instinct's got its charms. <laughs> Showgirls does not. Yes. I mean, I guess Showgirls has charms for some. Uh, but I knew Stephen Zellian's name right along with Joe Westerhouse. I mean, mm. it was, it was it's, it's insane when a writer gets to that kind of like notoriety and everything. Uh, but I thought he was going to have way more when I, when I first came across his name. Yeah. And it really wasn't a lot. It was the same thing with Paul Adonazio, who did Quiz Show Quiz and Show. Donnie Brasco. Oh, interesting. Two movies that I'm like, wow, he must have like, and it, it, it kind of falls off after that. And I don't know, a lot of times these writers, I think they write something and it just gets changed so much that, you know, they're not they're not the same screenplay anymore. And I think they get, kind of get tired of it. And sometimes they get writer's block like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Um uh i mentioned robert town at the beginning he had four nominations one win the wins for chinatown oh uh the other nominations are the last detail which is great shampoo and graystoke the tarzan movie oh my god in the 80s i i was shocked when i saw this wow. nomination graystoke interesting um I, I and he's the robert robert town is definitely a guy who gets um he he's a he's a script doctor and like sort of a go-to guy when it comes to that and he obviously was one of those like go-to writers for tom cruise oh yeah because people would write screenplays i think for movies that tom cruise would be in and then suddenly there's a robert town credit um uh, like uh he's also on days of thunder the firm and mission impossible movies that you wouldn't you know after the movies i just mentioned you wouldn't think right would be movies that he did um but uh, but Town is another guy that I knew back when I was like sixteen or seventeen because mm-hmm. you heard that name a lot. And Chinatown is is the main reason. Yep. Uh, David Kep, who is a guy who uh, sort of manufactured your '90s experience, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yep. Um, uh, he did. Uh, he's also credited with Mission Impossible. I'm sure he was the main screenwriter on Mission Impossible before Town came in and wrote some like, let's write something for Cruz. Town came in and wrote the Asta la lasagna. Don't get any on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, but Kep also wrote some uh, some screenplays for movies I really enjoy. Some real small ones, Stir of Echoes mm-hmm. and The Trigger Effect. Mm. It's a movie that uh, I. Don't think we've ever mentioned on this podcast. I don't think I've heard of that. But the Trigger Effect is uh, is a movie that I suggest everybody go to go to see. It's a real good B movie. I don't remember everything that happens. It's one of those apocalyptic type of movies, but it has. It's not. It doesn't have like zombies and shit like that. It's not like you know. <laughs> it's like what a real life post apocalypse might be, or, or whatever. Like uh, or 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 a a oncoming apocalypse there's a lot of like uh you know stuff getting scarce like gasoline and stuff like that it's a uh, it's really well done mm. uh paul haggis mm. um, haggis yeah haggis uh three nominations one win the win was for crash the other nominations for million dollar baby and letters from iwo jima uh, he's also on the uh, couple of Craig James Bond movies. Uh, he was on uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Huh. Mm. Uh, but Haggis is another guy that you, especially around when Crash came out, like that guy. He was on a freaking roll. I think yeah. he also did the In the Valley of Ella was another one mm. that he did. 
Um, like he was as star screenwriter as possible. Yeah. Uh, there's a name I had never heard of before that ga- came up several times as I was going through all this thing. His name is Patty Chayefsky. Hmm. Patty Chayefsky did Marty, which we know from Quiz Show. <laughs> I ended up watching Marty later. Didn't really like it that much. But he got nominated four times, and he's he won three times. Um, the movies that I know are Marty and Network. He oh, wow. Network. Uh, the other two I was not familiar with. The Goddess, and he won for a movie called The Hospital, which I, All right. I, I, I didn't hear. Good job, Patty. Uh, he also wrote Altered States and Paint Your Wagon. Yeah. Um, and we talked about Pain. We talked about Brooks, the Zuckers. Uh, here's another one that you don't know. Christopher Guest. Oh, yeah. There's so much ad-libbing and crap going on in all those movies he's generally the credited screenwriter i believe of all those this is spinal tap best in show waiting for guffman all those and he'll be the first one to tell you that he's putting his cast in situations yeah. and not writing this shit i think out. he just writes an outline of the situation yeah. and says let's get this message across and then everybody goes and just takes off on it and uh, those usually it was wonderful yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> working and sleeping never stopping never stopping. <laughs> uh john houston who we mentioned oh um, yeah uh, prolific yeah eight nominations one win the win was for the one that everybody knows the treasure of sierra madre um he was nominated for a bunch of stuff i don't remember but the maltese falcon mm. is a good one sergeant york which is one of, one of my early favorite movies um the asphalt jungle the african queen wow um he's got some really good heavy hitters there uh and eight nominations one win the show for it so he's another guy that maybe possibly if i had known a little bit more about him i think he'd have a really good chance to get up on that rushmore but (laughs) as as is i know maybe three or four of his movies that he wrote um Wes Anderson, we talked about Paul Thomas Anderson, a lot of these directors. And the yep. Wes Anderson, pretty much every movie that he's ever done, he's been at least co-writer on. And Owen Wilson was on was on those screenplays for about three of them, I yeah. think. Um, but, um, wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, but Wes Anderson, uh, it's he's obviously, he's one of those that I can't separate the writer and the director. Like, the, yeah. he as director he's definitely got a style as writer he's definitely got a style that match meshes in it does that. mesh but he's funnier i think than he gets credit for mm-hmm. i mean some of these things are just like especially like bottle rocket and rushmore, rushmore yeah and even grand budapest hotel like the dialogue is really fucking hilarious especially ray fines in grand yeah. Budapest hotel yeah like there's jokes in there and of course it's so you don't want to say sterile because it's just so you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everything is just so, and but the humor is not like the humor in Grand Budapest Hotel is like profane and and silly and yeah. outlandish, and it gets kind of overshadowed by this meticulousness of his direction. I think. Yeah, he's been nominated three times, uh, no wins, but the nominations are for Royal Tannenbaum's Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned that before. Moonrise Kingdom, that great part where the dog dies and she's like was was he a good dog who's to say <laughs> <laughs> so um uh another brooks james l brooks yeah, yeah i had um, him written down uh three nominations one win one for terms of endearment uh broadcast news is one of the best screenplays probably ever produced yeah I'm, i agree I, I think 
Um, and uh, he's uh, obviously one of the creators of The Simpsons. Yeah, mm-hmm. that goes a long way. Uh, but uh, as good as it gets is the other one that he got nominated for. Uh, another guy, man, the guy, I mean, he didn't write many, like not many movies that we know, but I mean, the ones that he did are just are outstanding. Yeah. I even went on a James L. Brooks kick there after, after I finally discovered broadcast news, which I guess was maybe 15 years ago. I went and rented everything he'd ever written or directed. They're not all that great. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's got that. He's got one with like Nick Nolte and a little kid. That's that. Um, I'll say anything. I'll I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Yeah. 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 Um, that was supposed to be a musical. Yeah. It's a little schmaltzy. Hmm. A lot of his stuff veers a little schmaltzy. Did you ever think that as good as it gets is like 10 minutes too long? Yeah. I can Man, see that. I haven't seen it in forever. I haven't really. Because he has that. He has that that line in there where it's like, you make me want to be a better man. Yeah. And after that, like that, that's the iconic, you know, tentpole right there. And then it goes through this like another valley until he comes back up at the end. And he's like, I thought of a second compliment for you. And I don't even yeah. remember what the second compliment was. But like she has the exact same reaction. It's this out of nowhere, wonderful compliment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you already you already went there. Brooks specialized in the sort of the mean dialogue and everything. Yeah. And it's a, a lot of the, uh, as good as it gets, obviously, channeled through Jack Nicholson, you know, the the secretary who's like, how do you write women so well? And he's like, I think of a man and I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> even in broadcast news, because after William Hurt's uh, date rape special airs, <laughs> Albert Brooks is like, ah, oh, it's great. I think you really blew the lid off Nookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the, the line in, in broadcast news I always go back to is, uh, is when Holly Hunter is like going in, he's telling all the, telling all the executives, we got to stop doing all this entertainment news and all that and the uh, executive guy's like you're always right it must be great to always be right and and she's like no it's awful <laughs> <laughs> uh and like uh during the, all the firings that are going on in broadcast news the uh the uh, the guy walks out and everything and is like, I hope there's no hard feelings and everything. Well, I certainly hope you die soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brooks was really good at that. We mentioned Albert Brooks is another guy that you mm-hmm. can really mention here. I mean, Modern Romance is one of my favorites that he ever did. He's done a couple others that are great too. But Mother. Modern- Mother, yeah, it was another the one. Not, not the, mother. The, yeah. yeah, the original mother. Yeah, this one with no exclamation point. <laughs> and Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds, yeah. And Rob Morrow. Mm. I like that movie. Yeah. If actually that would be an interesting watch because there's like a whole subplot of this movie about a video phone. And this movie came out like uh, what? It was 98, I think. Nine, late, late 90s, I think. And like Rob Morrow is like this tech guru guy and he's albert brooks's brother and debbie reynolds is their mom and he has sent her this video phone that she can't figure out how to work i just wonder if how much how that would play in the world of facetime today and <laughs> skype and whatnot but it's a little dated on that tech good movie i though. would mm-hmm. imagine so uh 96 was when that came out oh. i just realized after typing mother into imdb i've seen three movies called mother <laughs> What was the other one? There was another one uh, that was, uh, I believe it was a Korean film, 2009. You watched a Korean film? I know. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, believe that. Yeah, South Korea, uh, Jun Hoo Bong was the guy who uh, wrote and directed that. Is it Snowpiercer guy? It is. Oh, wow. Um, it was the bong that reminded me. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. For no reason. Which is weird because usually bongs don't help you remember anything. Exactly. That's true. Can I throw uh, one out? Yeah. 
What about William Goldman? No. <laughs> Damn it. No, I'm just kidding. No, William Goldman's a, Goldman's a good one, and there's another guy that I think I knew back when I was even before I really got into movies. Well, we probably our first introduction was probably The Princess Bride. Yep. Uh, because he wrote the book. I read the book after I'd seen the movie, but you could make a case that because they're so different, he hit it out of the park with both. Hmm. And you know, he trimmed the the screenplay down. So quotable. It's so you know, ingrained in our society. But he also did all the president's men. Mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Butch Kid. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Like uh, Marathon Man, Papillon. Uh, Chaplin, Misery. Yeah, Misery. I yeah. mean, uh, a bridge it's too far. Um, he did one Hey, of- Fetty, <laughs> I've got a movie title for you. A fridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> he also did Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which yeah, is not he helping his case. I know. Uh, but he did uh, a movie that I like. I know you guys don't like it, Maverick. Um, I think like he was one of the ones that popped into my head when we started going through this exercise, almost purely because of Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. But then when you get into like all the President's Men, the, the the stuff that he's done outside of that, it's pretty. By the way, impressive. there's a story about all the President's Men too uh, that uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford were changing a lot of things that were said in that movie, and that Hoffman eventually sort of remarked out loud, "I can't believe William Goldman's going to win a fucking Oscar for this." <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, funny it, dustin hoffman seems like he might have been a little salty <laughs> yeah oh yeah um uh, john hughes yeah one you know you may know him more as director but he's writer director you can't really divorce the two he he wrote the 80s yeah he he's your he's your 80s guy i mean yeah. he did breakfast club weird science ferris bueller's day off planes trains and automobiles the a guy just like we were talking about in the directors with Rob Reiner and all that had had just an incredible streak there for a while. He quit directing uh, around the 90s and then he started just coming out with screenplays and stuff. You know, he's credited on Home Alone mm-hmm. and all that. After Home Alone, he's got stuff like Curly Sue and like movies that didn't, re- I mean, obviously well, needed his touch. Baby's Day Out? I believe he did do Baby's Day I Out. I thought he did. That's why I brought it up. I think he did. Uh, Tom Stoppard, uh, two nominations, one win. The win was for Shakespeare in Love. He uh, had another nomination for Brazil. Rosencrantz and, and Guildenstern are dead. And yeah, and oh, uh, and uh, Empire of the Sun. I love uh, me some Tom Stoppard. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's interesting because Shakespeare in Love is is remembered obviously for the controversial Best Picture win and everything, and for the performances, Gwyneth Paltrow probably you know first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But that dialogue, man, is snappy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the hallmark of, of his thing. Matter of fact, it's, it's so much so that people have criticized him for lacking the, the substance and re- relying more on the rhetoric. Yeah. It's fine with me. Yeah. I want to, I want to hear staccato, like right, you know, on top of each other beats that are timed up perfectly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's his style of writing. I mean, we could probably go for days and days on whether or not somebody should put some added weight and whatever into whatever their screenplays are or whatever, but uh yeah i mean those are enjoyable screenplays they have enough in it that you're like yeah i like that yeah. you know it's not, why does it have to have weight every single time um uh stanley kubrick yep mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. we obviously know him more as director than writer but uh he was uh, the writer on a lot of those movies dr strangelove 2001 clockwork orange full, full metal jacket uh he never won an he never won an oscar for writing or directing 
Now that's ridiculous. The directing, obviously. He uh, he won for special effects though. Two thousand one. <laughs> that's so crazy. Well, no, it's not crazy. Obviously, that that should have won. Um, the only knock on him is that something like two thousand one is generally lacking dialogue mm-hmm. overall. And then but it, 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 it brings up an interesting thing, though, and we sort of touched on this with Cameron and no one. Does the screenplay have to have great dialogue in it to be a great screenplay? Mm. The uh, I feel like the same thing goes with when we're talking about directors and everything. The 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 first thing we always go to is, oh, there are a lot of great shots in that movie. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not all a director does. The director also wrangles the actors. He makes sure that the production, you know, I mean, gets burgers like, for the crew. Yeah, he gets burgers for the crew. <laughs> Make sure the performances are what he wants. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of elements to There's it. There's a lot of elements to the directing that, uh, you know, we don't really see. We like we like to point out shots a lot because that's like the easiest thing. Um, and the, the pacing, of course, because there's a lot of people who are involved in a lot of those aspects. Editors are mm-hmm. responsible for pacing as well. But, uh, but yeah, the, you know, the screenplay for that, I mean, you know, you have Charlie Chaplin has been nominated several times for, for, uh, screenplays and <laughs> those don't have dialogue, obviously. Yeah. Um, there it's, it's, they have situations, they have all that type of stuff. Now, the reason why it's kind of weird to talk about Chaplin as writer is that his performances make those movies yep. more than anything that he wrote, I believe. Um, but yeah, you're right. 2001 has very, very little dialogue in it. And, you know, the there's one like one meaty story in it and everything else is kind of like a exploration of self and, yeah. you know, all that. So um but yeah you're right i mean it's uh it's it's hard to think of kubrick as writer yeah and the other thing is that the the famous stuff from arlie army and in full metal jacket yeah. is, is largely like it his arlie army yeah um uh one that we i can't believe we haven't mentioned yet charlie kaufman yeah mm-hmm. um three nominations one win although here's another guy with a pretty good obp although you can find some bad charlie kaufman if you go and look at his imdb um <laughs> But uh, the ones he's known for are all like just incredible winners. Being John Malkovich, adaptation, and he won the Oscar for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Really? Uh, he did. I didn't realize that. He won it. Uh, and uh, he also, uh, believe it or not, wrote Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then there's a movie that I may have to give another crack at one day that I know a lot of friends of mine love is that Synecdoche, New York, mm-hmm. is, uh, is one that, I mean, again, Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman, really yeah. good in it. I don't know about the movie itself, though. It's it's a, a very interesting, again, Kaufman does that stuff with you know space and time and all that. It's a, it's a tiny town, like uh, in a model so set or something So it starts off, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's trying to write this play, and so like the play becomes its own animal, essentially, where he builds a set of a city that's uh-huh. the city that the it's the city that's on the outside he builds the exact replica essentially inside this like warehouse or whatever and like he he's written this play but there's all these actors that just come in and they're basically just acting like it's it's avant-garde almost whatever they're just doing whatever they want to do and stuff like that and i'm probably butchering this premise completely because i only saw it 10 years ago uh-huh. and i don't remember everything about it i just remember philip seymour hoffman as always was fantastic yeah. you threw me out of a plane <laughs> hey you threw me out of a plane 
but uh, yeah, Kaufman is definitely somebody I'd, I'd like to talk about. Cameron Crowe, another guy we know more as director, but his Fast Times at Ridgemont High is before he was a director, but then after that, Say Anything's Amazing, singles. Jerry Maguire, Singles, um, Almost Famous, Almost Famous, which he won the Oscar for. Um, but the, he does Aloha. Of, he does yeah. fall off a cliff though. That's the problem. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> Uh, Eric Roth, four nominations, one win. He won for Forrest Gump. Uh, other nominations are The Insider. Oh, uh, nice. Munich and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Eric Roth uh, is a guy who was sort of a go-to guy there for a while there. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of a star screenwriter for a bit. Not to the point of like Sorkin or anything like that, but he was a go-to guy. Why did The Curious Case of Benjamin Button get so much Oscar love? I don't know because it's one of my least favorite Fincher movies. Yeah, and I think yeah, it, it's yeah. I don't. Get I it don't either. enjoy the story. That's based on a book, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's based on part. a S. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, mm. I, I think that's part of the part of the reason is that the the book and its author have this prestige already built in, and then you go you tell you this story set way back in the day. I don't know, bored me to tears. Yeah, there's some ladies we haven't talked about. Elaine May, two nominations. Yeah, uh, Primary Colors and Heaven Can Wait um also wrote the birdcage uh uncredited work on tootsie uh mm. elaine may was with mike nichols for a really long time mm. so a lot of her screenplays are basically famous because you know they're in mike nichols movies uh but elaine may also might have uh, tarnished her image by writing and directing ishtar no oh, yeah uh, not in my book i love ishtar yeah <laughs> Uh, Telling the truth can be dangerous business. Sorry. <laughs> I had a, I had a hard. I mean, Tina Fey was one I wanted to bring up, but yeah. she doesn't have very many movies. She has a lot of like, you know, she her work on SNL, Thirty Rock, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, amazing TV work, and then Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, and and since then, to my lament, I've, I'm calling out Tina Fey. <laughs> write some screenplays. Damn it, we need you. We need you. Where to are all write the Tina Fey's at? <laughs> that's right uh nora efron yeah three means. nominations silkwood when harry met sally and sleepless in seattle uh she along with nancy myers known for almost every chick flick that came out and from the <laughs> 80s on yeah essentially um chick flick as a genre not as a pejorative term no I mean, this is this is what that subgenre was yeah um and uh you know i, I mentioned nancy myers uh she got nominated for private benjamin the goldie oh, hall yeah. movie i like that movie. um she's also known for the remakes of father of the bride and parent trap but she also did uh, something's gotta give the holiday and it's complicated movies that i don't really like but i know that has a huge following all of them in mm -hmm. fact Nancy Myers, I think, was the first woman to direct movies to a billion dollars. Like you, you had to sort of oh, wow. combine all of their grosses huh. and everything. Those movies are are big, man. Those yeah. are big movies. Even though I don't watch them like over and over again, those are you know. There's a lot of old people in this country, man. <laughs> um uh yeah orson wells we'll just mention him because we didn't mention him on the directors and a lot of people are like what about orson wells orson wells has such a weird checkered history yeah. man it's impossible to like he didn't have that body of work he obviously had one nomination and one win for citizen king yeah but uh and then there's dalton trumbo yeah. who uh brian cranston memorably played in a movie a couple of years ago three nominations two wins he's known uh he won for roman holiday and a movie in 1957 called the brave one 
And well, uh, was those nominations were for him or were, were they? They for, were for his the pseudonym. Uh, pseudonym. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you watch the movie, it's uh, he's watching the ceremony at home, mm-hmm. and they've used this other right and so, i guess they got somebody else to go up and and be him or whatever to uh-huh. get all the credit or whatever but uh it's kind of interesting he also was on spartacus mm. um uh and then there's robert benton five nominations two wins mainly made possibly known for more directing but he wrote kramer versus kramer places in the heart he won those uh one for those screenplays other nominations are bonnie and clyde the late show and nobody's fool he won you know he uh, got mm. nominated for all those um uh i saw spike lee mentioned a couple of times i recognize spike lee more as a director but almost all of his movies he wrote right mm-hmm. or was at least a co-writer on or whatever he got nominated for do the right thing um for writing great dialogue and it's a fantastic great screenplay and uh malcolm x but malcolm x he didn't get nominated for that uh but uh, malcolm x he got game summer of sam a lot of these movies um so yeah i mean i wanted to mention him lawrence kasdan Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it keeps going guys (laughs) um I, i had i had briefly written down george lucas because lucas had done american graffiti and star yeah. wars he got nominated for those but after that it's sort of you know it's not lucas's show anymore but uh, lawrence kasdan came in and did raiders of the lost ark and empire strikes back and then his own movies like the big chill and yeah uh, grand canyon grand he got canyon. nominated he got nominated for grand canyon um and the accidental tourist um body heat is another one that oh, he yeah. wrote uh, he also wrote the bodyguard um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Lawrence Kasdan wanted to bring up. Preston Sturges, three nominations, one win. Uh, win was for The Great McGinty. Uh, the other nominations are for The Miracle of Morgan's Creek and Hail the Conquering Hero. But the ones that he's known for, I believe, The Lady Eve, Sullivan's Travels, which is where we get the term, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, by mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> Sullivan's Travels is about uh, a writer who writes comedies and uh, and people are saying you know he doesn't he's not a real writer because he hasn't written anything with like any kind of weight to it or anything Hmm. so he goes on this sort of you know self-discovery type of thing and he finds out that you know what there is a lot of validity to writing just comedies that don't have like that serious tone to it so his next movie was supposed to be called oh brother where art thou it's supposed to be this like you know uh this big serious movie or whatever but he finds out that you know his work as a comedy writer is just as important as writing important films. Hmm. Sullivan's Travels is a really good movie, by the way. Hmm. Um, and yeah, you know what? I mean, I think we've we've covered. I mean, we could mention somebody like Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and and somebody you might know more as writer than director. Yeah, even though he's definitely directing every one of those movies. The dialogue is is arguably the star in just about all of his movies that is correct um i ran across another one uh i don't know how to pronounce her name and i'm sorry uh but her name's ruth prawer javala mm. she's basically the screenwriter of all the merchant ivory stuff howard's oh, okay. and remains of the day in fact i was going through i didn't realize that uh james ivory had directed so many of these movies i like i knew him from like three movies that right. came out in the 90s but he came out. There were like tons in the eighties too. Like, ah. and and she was the screenwriter on almost all of them. So I think we can proceed to proceed, sir. Mm. Um, I don't know if this is going to be terribly hard. We've already got Woody Allen up there. All right, we're putting Woody Allen up there. Yep. 
despite all the the issues in his personal life. Right. Then I think we're all kind of gleaning Quentin Tarantino as well. I think Tarantino's got the body of work at this point to to make a case for I would put them both up there, yeah. Um then the question becomes who do we put up after that? Um I'm good with nominating Aaron Sorkin. In this. Sorkin's Sorkin's great, man. Yeah. I mean, we got to put Sorkin up there, I think. You're not going to find an argument with me. <laughs> I'm I'm I want to be his buddy. <laughs> have walk and talks with him i would love to have walk and talks with aaron sorkin even if he was just insulting me <laughs> that leaves billy wilder uh-huh. um david mamet mm-hmm. maybe somebody like paul thomas anderson or wes anderson uh the cohen brothers again yeah oh cohen brothers have such a good case oh. i don't and we may have to hydra this again <laughs> Because I was sitting here going, well, Alexander Payne, I really like the William Goldman stuff, mm-hmm. but man, you go back to the Coens, and I'm just like... <sighs> and every single... If, if this ends up being Rushmore, and I don't know how we could knock off any of these guys, mm-hmm. their OBPs, what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. is just impeccable. Yeah. Now, Woody Allen probably, ironically, has the less OBP, because Definitely. he does so many. That would be the only knock on him as far as his body of work is concerned. Mm. Uh, because yeah, sixteen nominations. There's probably a few others out there that we like Zelig, and uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of like uh, great ones that we didn't even no- mention in the nominations. Uh, but then you got tons of others that aren't very good. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't. We're not kicking Woody Allen off for that. No. So yeah, I think this is probably going to be our final four. So we got Woody Allen. We've got Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. We've got Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And we have the Cohen, Cohen Hydra. The Cohen Hydra. <laughs> I like it, man. It skews a little bit recent because they're all still working. But it's hard to argue with that. Right. And this is probably the, the hardest one for us to put yeah. classic people up on because, you know, I, I, I did a pretty good amount of research <laughs> and it was not. It wasn't like somebody kept coming up, except for Billy Wilder, who I think right. definitely deserves to be massaging shoulders on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you say soldiers or shoulders? <laughs> I don't know if I said soldiers or shoulders. Soldiers, shoulders. I think you said massaging soldiers. <laughs> I think that's right. perfect. We'll have to check the tape on yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have to tape it. Uh, but uh, massaging shoulders is what I meant. If I said soldiers, <laughs> fuck it. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Anybody else that I could possibly name either doesn't have that kind of track record, or they've not been around long enough, or we just don't know them well mm-hmm. enough. But uh, you know, I mean, the the classic guys, um, like I said, Billy Wilder and this uh, Patty Chayefsky guy, and like uh, Ernest Lehman. Uh, Ernest Lehman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another guy. I think it's Leo McCary. Did a lot of stuff for Cary Grant back in the day. A lot of those uh it, you know i mean they're not as star writers as these other guys right. are we don't really know them but really how can you can't really beat a lot of these guys that are up there yeah i have alexander payne probably doing some massaging christopher nolan 
Um, Doing some massaging. Yeah, man, that's some serious <laughs> massaging. It's getting to the point of these guys are up in, in rocks. They got to relax a little bit. That's right. <laughs> They're very very stiff. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. Well, that was. I mean, with very little debate, I think we're going to yeah, have man. those four. No, but we had to. I mean, I think we needed that whole discussion prior to really settle into it and kind of figure out where it was going to be. Yep. But I'm happy with that four. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to have to be talking about Nature Box again. Because yeah. Darn. We hate that. I know. <laughs> because, uh, because well, really, they're just so awesome. Is, yes, they are. Is the reason why we continue to talk about them to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barrett, you got a new box? I got a new box. And I got a new box in perfect timing because uh, the family and I are headed out on vacation tomorrow. Ooh. And our entire snack bag is full of Nature Box bags. Ooh. Yeah, so it came in at the perfect time. We got the animal crackers, the the uh, whole wheat chocolate animal crackers. Mm-hmm. I got some roasted salted uh, pistachios, mm. and that's good road food right there because you can just crack them, throw them in, have a little you know cup. Throw the shells on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the back seat. yeah, the wife loves it when I do that. <laughs> and then we got the sourdough cheddar pretzels. There you go. Oh man, can't go wrong with the sourdough cheddar pretzels. So everybody's happy, man. Like we're all gonna be just like snacking for you know. 15 hours or however long it takes Absolutely. To, hopefully it doesn't take 15 hours to get to this location. Yeah. One of the things that um, has happened to us is that we're now starting to order a box like before the last ordered box has even arrived. Yeah, you have to have the backup. Yeah, because I don't, I don't like that one to two week period where I've eaten all the snacks, but my new snacks haven't arrived yet. Mm-hmm. I kind of basically just want there to always be snacks from Nature Box in my pantry. And so you got to set it up in advance. You got to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, you know, we're two boxing it now. Always be snacking. Always be. A-B-S. <laughs> always be. Have you made your decision for snacks? <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 This is gold. This yes, is it gold. is. Yeah, they're gonna. This is they're gonna be their favorite ad ever that we've done. But no, that's a, that's a smart idea to have all those backup uh, snacks because then you don't. Yeah, like exactly what you're saying. You don't have to sit there and wait for it anymore. You get like, oh, I've got one more box. I better start ordering another one. But you just got finished with another box, yeah. so you enjoyed that box, and you have another box behind that. And so, when you're about to yank your pitcher, if mm. you're the the uh, manager, like for a minute there, that sounded dirty. <laughs> I was like, I was trying just, to figure out. Don't yank it. Just tie it in a knot. I was kind of, I was like trying to figure out, did he say pitcher? Oh, he said pitcher. <laughs> when you're about to yank your pitcher, you've got somebody that's already been war- warming up in the bullpen, mm-hmm. right? That's you right. got a left and a right hander. That's right. You if can't you're just, a good manager, you have somebody yeah, warming you up. <laughs> you don't yeah. bring that shit in cold. Yeah. You can't just like, yeah, say, oh, wait, he sucks. I need to put in somebody <laughs> who's like sitting down in the bullpen right now. Exactly. Yeah. And so you should use that with your snacking technology, that's especially right. with how, how, easy it is to get nature box delivered right to your that door yeah and you can order as many snacks as you want yep i've learned this the easy way <laughs> you don't have that you don't have to only get five mm-hmm. you don't have to only get ten yep. if they need to send a couple different boxes they'll do it they will they, i mean i'm almost up to like an average of 16 snacks per order oh really um, nice. yeah <laughs> yeah and i just i have i have it's been a long time since i've gone to the store and bought like a you know classic potato chip or one of those nasty snacks that we're trying to get away from i had that moment actually i was in the store the other day and i was like 
going down the snack aisle. I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah I beautiful. got a whole stock at home. It's yeah. impossible and- to relegate yourself to just three or four when you look at this website. Well, that's true. It's impossible. Well, it's possible. I guess you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that'd be silly. <laughs> we take a lot of training. That's right. So uh, anyway, go to naturebox.com slash syncast. And what what are we doing nowadays? Is Man, this it's fifty percent it off your first off? order? See, the more snacks you order, the more that fifty percent equals. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you can you, you can build up credit, you know that kind of thing. They can you can send a, a snack back if you don't like it. They'll replace it for free. Don't send it back. Don't send it back. No one's going <laughs> to eat it when yep. you send it back. Mm-hmm. Just, they'll replace it for free, though. That is correct. I could see somebody at Nature Box opening like this box, and it's like a half-eaten bag of some snack. Yes. Oh, I'll get well, not only half-eaten, but there's like half-eaten pieces in there, too. It's like, like that critical mass of like, if you're going to send something back at a restaurant... Like, how much do you eat yeah. before they won't accept it? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've eaten half of it, or if you, you're drinking something that doesn't look look good. Um, well, they, she actually didn't charge us for that tuna that I was I didn't about to figure. say, the last night that happened. Yeah. She's like, you didn't look like you really liked it, so I'm not going to charge you for it. That's awesome. That was really awesome. Yeah. Is that what she said? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I thought it might, maybe it was just an accident. No, and I didn't even, you know, say anything to her. Like, you know, I didn't like it or anything. She just assumed because I didn't eat it all. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we gotta go back there again. Yeah, yeah, and then not eat something. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> Just right. Eat half of something. All then... right. So it's naturebox.com/syncast promo code since. That's it. Fifty percent off. They ship to your door. These snacks are healthy. They're not made with any of that preservative garbage or mm-hmm. artificialness. Uh, and we're obviously big, big fans. And uh, you know, vanilla bean wafers for the win. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Forever. Forever. You guys want to do some questions? Let's do some questions. Uh, uh-huh. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Considering that we went super question heavy on the last one, we can maybe do a couple few of these. All right. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've done this. Question uh, from a listener saying, hey, guys, really love the podcast and YouTube videos. Thank you. I have a recast challenge for y'all. Y'all. Mm-hmm. He gave us a y'all or she or whoever this is. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. D-A-W-G. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a specific gender, although I think Lena Headey uh, would make a fantastic Mr. Blonde. Mrs. Blonde? Miss Bond? Miss Blonde? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so what do you guys think? Let's All do right. it. Let's um, do this. Here, here's, here's how I'm running this down. I'm going to have Don Cheadle as Mr. White, the Harvey Keitel. Oh, wow. nice. All right. Um, you got to have somebody tough and seasoned mm-hmm. for that role. Yeah. Um. Then, as Mr. Orange, I have Michael B. Jordan. Oh, that's the Tim Roth character. That's right? the Tim Roth character. Do you have an all-black Reservoir Dogs? I, I do not. Oh man, you're not <laughs> going to get the black card this time. No, <laughs> I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'm referencing the listener. Yeah, who said that Chris was going to get his black card? Yeah, because he did the all-black Star Wars. Yeah, or whatever yeah. It was. <laughs> now this one, this one, uh, this one has a, uh, I guess, a more diverse cast. It's not like. It's not entirely completely diverse, but mm-hmm. uh, I have Jake Johnson as Mr. Pink. Mm. Uh, Jake Johnson is sort of known more for like uh, uh, supporting characters and everything. Um, I can't really think of any like character actors today that would be like Steve Buscemi. Yeah. And Jake Johnson is as close as I can come up with. Um uh, Jake Johnson was recently in that horrible mummy movie that came out over the summer. Um, <laughs> and he played Tom Cruise's friend in that. Um, then I have Oscar Isaac as Mr. Blonde. 
Uh, oh, from Michael Madsen? And Michael Madsen's oh. character. Uh, Oscar Isaac and Jake Johnson look so much alike that I confuse one for the other all the time. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah. Now, I think in this movie, like if they were in there together, I wouldn't have that problem. But yeah. every time I see Jake Johnson, I'm like, oh, that's Oscar Isaac. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. It's Jake Johnson. <laughs> um, and then I have uh, Tom Hardy as Nice Guy Eddie, which is the Ooh. Chris Penn character. Ooh. And I have Brian Cranston as Joe. That's great. The Lawrence. He's got a good Joe voice. (laughs) Yes, he does. Uh, (laughs) Skagnetti. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I only have one casting that I'm disappointed in myself with, but for Mr. White, uh, I went with Ray Winstone, Mr. French from The Departed. That's a good one. Because, again, he's got to have that tough kind of thing. For Mr. Orange, which was Tim Roth, I have Paul Dano. Okay. Oh, I could see him writhing around in yeah. the backseat. Um, for Mr. Blonde, I have Clive Owen. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, nice guy, Eddie. I'm going to go pull Seth Rogen in on this one. Just because <laughs> Chris Penn gives me a very Seth Rogen vibe. Because at least in this movie, he's like, there's a playfulness to him. Yeah. Anyway, I think Seth so Rogen you're going to just decide yeah. out of the fucking blue <laughs> to rip the- us off. <laughs> this is the only one I don't know about. But it, for Mr. Pink Buscemi, I went with Owen Wilson. Oh, yeah. I okay. Can see that. I, can I, see can see it. It. I can see it. And then my fun one for Joe Cabot, Harvey Keitel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? I thought about doing that same thing because if they did do a recasting, they would put Keitel in that. That would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I could totally see that. All right, mine is so Mr. White Kaitel character is going to be Josh Brolin. Mm. Oh, Josh I can Brolin see that. could handle that that kind of balance mm-hmm. there. More Panakiku, more Panakiku. <laughs> he's also, I think, right around the same age that uh, Kaitel was. Kaitel was Kaitel's like eighty right now. Yeah, like, he's, right he's in his the, yeah somewhere in like seventies. Um, but yeah, uh, Josh Brolin's right at forty nine now, so I think he could do it. Uh, Mr. Orange Tim Roth character is going to be Bill Hader. Hey, this is a curious hey. one. It could totally work. I would love to see Bill Hader do something like super dramatic. You know, he did um, do the Skeleton Twins. The Skeleton Twins is a, is a really good one, actually. Yeah. To, and, and it has him and Kristen Wiig in it. And you're, you obviously just expect to have the, the big comedy here. But when yeah. he dials it back, and of course, like, you know, he's got this this theatrical writhing in the bag and some fucking shit man yeah yeah like i could totally see bill Hader just like contorting himself and really like making this a, a good performance i could see that uh okay so mr blonde michael madsen character joaquin phoenix Ooh, because oh, you I could tell it. that that dude That'd is be gonna, scary as fuck right he'd be even scarier mm-hmm. than michael madsen mm-hmm. um and then uh for mr pink buscemi it's gonna be uh oh sorry for nice guy eddie the chris pin character it's gonna be jordan peele yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Because uh, he's also on that that range where he could play it serious yeah. or in menacing, and then like, it's amazing going back and watching those Key and Peele stuff, like how he can transform on a dime from humor to super straight. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That uh, did you ever see that turbulence uh, sketch that they did? I'm sure I did. Uh, I don't remember it though. Keegan Michael Key is uh, trying to get up and go to the bathroom when the seatbelt sign is on, mm-hmm. and the guy's like seatbelt. It's Jordan Peele. It's like seatbelt. He's he's the <laughs> stewardess anyway that's not going to go anywhere you just have to watch it yeah um so that's going to be jordan peele uh mr pink is going to be mrs pink and it's going to be emma roberts Ooh, that's another think, interesting pick emma roberts i was thinking about who is 
has biting sarcasm and can really just like put off a, 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 I don't give a fuck. And that's what Steve Buscemi did in this, in this performance. He's standing up to Joe. He's standing up to tipping. He's standing up to everybody. He didn't take any shit from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Emma standing Robbins up to tipping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that famous cultural bully yes. tipping. Well, to him it is. Yeah. Uh, and then <clears throat> uh, for Joe, it's going to be Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. He could yeah. definitely play gruff and tough and you know, mm-hmm. put Seymour Skagnetti in his place. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right. All right. I like our cast. Those are all good. Yeah. Uh, thought of a question for you guys. Lovely. Thank what you. film universe would you like to see an, an alternative reality story set in where one main event in the past was changed? A simple example would be if Nazis had won the World War II, of course. Uh, but mine would be Star Wars movie where Vader beat Obi-Wan and went on to kill the Emperor and rule the galaxy by himself. Interesting. Yeah. I like the question a lot, but I think I'm cheating with my answer because right. I'm not picking one event in a movie and changing it. I'm kind of changing everything about the movie. Mm-hmm. But I th- I've, oh, I've actually thought about this plenty of times in the last 10 years. What it would be like to watch the Truman Show mm. where Truman is the only guy who knows it's a show. Wow. And he's still the star of the show, but everyone else in the town thinks it's real. Hmm. How would you pull that off? Well, you'd have to get a lot of orphans and raise them. <laughs> well, and you'd also you'd also have to yes, exactly. Go to the orphan store. <laughs> you would also have to have um maybe a little bit more omnipotent kind of power as well like yeah. to be able to wrangle a whole bunch of people like you might might not only be orphans it might be more like knocking people out with chloroform and shit <laughs> um, i just figure the the whole thing is a television show for the entertainment of those on the outside mm-hmm. and i think it could be just as entertaining or more entertaining to watch one guy fuck with ten thousand then 10,000 fuck with one. <laughs> I like that. Andrew. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be very interesting. <laughs> anyway. Um, I mean, obviously, since Rick and Morty has been, is sort of a like an offshoot of Back to the Future, there's all sorts of things that you can do with Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Back to the Future, I'm kind of like you here. I, I, if you... I, I, there's a lot of things that you could change and just completely alter the movie. Um, if you made it so that Marty doesn't catch the lightning at the end of the movie, then basically you're changing back to the future too. Yeah. Um, but uh, you could also change it to where when they're going through all the dates in the DeLorean, they don't end up on the November 5th, 1955. They mm. end up on the, you know, the December 25th, 0000, which oh. is the birth of Christ. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> is that one of the things that flashes oh, yeah. up yeah, on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. He oh, even yeah, says yeah. it. He yeah. witnessed oh, the he, birth of Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he puts in like three different dates in there before he gets to November 5th, 1955. And, uh, and so like, what if the Libyans show up before he puts that in and it's, you know, December 25th, zero, 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 you might get year one, which hopefully you don't get that fucking movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like, uh, it would be, it would completely alter it. Obviously there's also, there's a lot of other things in there, uh, being unable to get his parents back together. I mean, of course that just means he's, he disappears, but right what if we threw in a wrinkle of some sort where he just changes into a different person? Maybe the parents 
you know, maybe they find each other later on in life and they don't have kids until later. And so he's a different person or something like that. Yeah. I and mean, it's, you could always add that little wrinkle. It's such an innocuous, like you were saying, it, it's in such a small town and such a small area that it's not going to have mind blowing, world changing uh, consequences necessarily. Maybe necessarily. I think it, I think any, any sort of story, I, I, I probably said this before when we did that time travel episode or whatever, I really believe a lot in that Ray Bradbury sound of thunder type of mm-hmm. uh, type of thing where stepping on a butterfly itself, which did not lead to the butterfly effect that we know it or whatever, but stepping on a butterfly and they come back and everything has changed. I think even in a small town, you would have drastic changes because there's going to be people that don't exist anymore. There's some, you know, some people who take vacations who aren't there anymore that, you know, the, just all the different things that happen don't happen anymore. It completely alters the reality at that point. Hmm. Yeah. But like if you were to confine it just to the back to the future story where it's just the, his immediate family that gets infected or whatever, yeah. uh, you could do that. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants to see, uh, Martin actually give Cos the the box at the end of sneakers, <laughs> just to see what Cos would do with it. He would mm. fuck some shit up. Well, man. it's interesting how much his goals align with um, Tyler Durden's goals in terms yeah. of mm. just wanting to promote chaos mm-hmm. economically. Like, could you like if he really gets into this and says, "All right, I got the power." What does he take on first? And like, you know, what you comes know what, after though, that? That's know? really interesting, though. His character in that movie is saying, like, I could crash the whole damn system <laughs> and all that. And he still it feels like he's still got that anarchist streak and everything. I think he enjoys being rich way too much to do so much chaos to the world that he may not even have wealth by the time it's over. I imagine they're saying with the box, he could chaos everyone in the world except him and, and take all their money into his bank account or something. I guess, but then that would be suspicious, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It's like, Oh, (laughs) like all the world's wealth is in this one guy's account in some weird offshore bank. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be interesting though yeah. to see what he would do with it. It's a completely different movie. Yeah, he, yeah. he, um, he becomes the, uh, the Mandarin at that point. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, um, that'll do it for this week. Uh, keep going on to, uh, Facebook, the Sincast, uh, presented by cinema sins. I've noticed some people still go to the cinema sins Facebook page mm-hmm. and po- when we post our podcast stuff, um, and uh, for whatever reason, at this point in time, I don't have it to where I can like uh, respond to those. I'd like to keep it at the Sincast. Yeah, we've got a show page, so go on yeah. over to the show page if you want to to interact. I'd like to keep it at that page. I don't want to start a whole thing where I'm going to every page that we have or whatever. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud. We've mm-hmm. got uh, we got some comments going there, and we got uh, you know uh, CinemaSense Twitter where Jeremy rules the roost there um we are commenting like fucking crazy that's on right things. got things cooking that's right um but uh that'll do it for this week uh it's chris agnes and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com
when we used to go on vacations with road trips, all I really remember is that um, we had to pee in a coffee can. What? Do you ever do this with your kid? No, but I, I, I have been. Well, okay. So here's a sidebar. Okay. Uh, when I would have to pee, and my grandmother and grandfather, when I was traveling with them, <laughs> and they didn't want to pull over, my grandmother told me to tie it in a knot. Oh no! <laughs> nice. Oh. When I said when I reacted in in horror, obviously she was like hanging out the window. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god! And the funny thing was, we were in a van that has those little like slits in the back, and I was like, "How am I going to do this?" Oh my goodness! I believe wasn't it Rat Race where the the <laughs> the parent the dad tells his his daughter that she can't they can't pull over, so she has to like she has to like aim outside or some <laughs> crap like that. Oh, I feel like that might be Rat Race. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "Dad, I'm prairie dogging it." No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. We're, we're definitely not using it. Nope. This is this is all outtake fodder. Should we get uh, back on track? We should get back on track. Get you some fucking snacks. Snack it up. That should be their new tagline. Yeah. It should be. Just an avatar of Rex Ryan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Red face. Yeah, Let's get some yeah, goddamn snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be awesome. That was the Eagles Live. I listened to that album growing up probably more than any other album. That's a shame. But it's got that great version, live version of Hotel California that's badass. I'm trying to think what I li- what album I listened to growing up more than any other album. Petra? It's either Petra or Michael W. Smith. Oh, really? I've met him at some point. Oh, oh, uh, I have emailed with now the... Uh, the Nobel winner of economics. Uh, it's Richard Thayer. He just won it this morning, Thaler. And he's a behavioral economist, economist, economist at University of Chicago. And we were doing a, a paper on John Nash and game theory. Oh, yeah, you told us We about consulted that. this dude. That's crazy. At University of Chicago. I've got, well, at my Northwestern account, I had emails from the Nobel Prize winner. That's awesome. Uh, I'd love to have lunch with you as long as you... You're wearing that. <laughs> Can you send me a picture? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Well, it's going to be a loopy day in the studio. No kidding, man. At least we are, we're back in the studio. I'm on no sleep, Jerry. <laughs> no sleep. I was worried when I got that email. From oh, my you. God. I could not sleep at all. And <laughs> I think it was three o'clock before I got. got I to thought sleep. we were going to get the I overslept and went through my alarm email. <laughs> well, it's why I set I set like nine alarms. Oh, really? So that I How many alarms did it take before you finally got up? I got up after the third one. OK, because <laughs> after the third, what I, I set nine alarms, but the, the ninth one was set for 930, which would literally be the, <laughs> the second I have to leave the house. So I couldn't have waited for all of them or I'd have been screwed. Anyway, it was a weird night. I just I got home and it was like eleven, and I was like, felt like seven. I was like wired. Oh, I was wired too. I had real trouble falling asleep. I uh, I was so wired that I watched the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> okay, so I, I, I swear to God, what what is that? <laughs> it's like a movie from nineteen twenty. Yeah, it was like the pioneering movie of like that uh, they use Dutch angles and they use all oh. this different camera techniques yeah. and everything. It's actually nice to watch. Like as you're going to sleep, like uh, because it's silent and it's got nice music and the visuals are arresting. But like, I get it, I get it. 
But yeah, it's, it what was, a fucking weird out of nowhere <laughs> fucking choice. It though. was it was on like what was it? Not Indieplex, like uh, TMC TCM Classics. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I flipped it on. I was like, I remember watching this at some point, like you know, with like art school nerds back mm-hmm. in college. But like, I never really paid attention to it. It's really cool. You yeah. know, I got sucked into the uh, the other Bolin girl last night. Oh. Oh. That movie has a sneaky, huge, about-to-be-famous cast. And it only came out in 2008. But, like, in addition to Scarlett Johansson and Natalie Portman and uh-huh. um, Eric Bana, which are your, your three main characters, Kristen Scott Thomas is in it. Mark Rylance is in it. Benedict Cumberbatch has a small role. J- uh, Jim from 21. Oh, J- uh, Sturgis. Jim Sturgis is in it. Uh, Alfie Allen, who plays uh, mm. Theon on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, the little blonde chick who was on that rock and roll show Scorsese did for a year, and I always forget her name. Vinyl. Vinyl. That, that blonde chick from that. She's in this. I was just, at every scene, I was like, that's a fit. I, I actually had to Google to make sure I wasn't <laughs> wrong that it was Benedict Cumberbatch because he's kind of like <laughs> far away in the room and he's just like somebody's husband dismissed early in the film or whatever. Anyway. I was shocked. 2008, I guess, is before... Yeah, it's before Sherlock, right? Must have been right before it, yeah. Was that his... What was the moment that we knew who Benedict Cumberbatch was? Was Sherlock. it Sherlock? Yeah. Wasn't there anything before that that was... Well, I'm sure he did stuff before, especially, I'm sure, UK people yeah, knew yeah. him, but that was when he became an international... And then it was just to the races. Like did you was... ever watch Sherlock? Oh, uh, no, I haven't seen it's it. fucking good, man. That's what I hear. Fucking, and, uh, and you don't have to, it's like, you know, well, they're all basically movies. The, mm-hmm. They're not, yeah. it's not, it's not like, I could say that they're just three or three or four episodes in a season, but they're all movies, essentially. Which so. I wasn't expecting when I started watching it, because Candy and I put it on, like, you know, 10 o'clock one night. We are like, well, watch an episode. And then, like, I didn't see the length ahead of time, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, halfway through. I was like, how fucking long is this? Yeah. And it turns out to be two hours yeah. or so. But, man. Who's the guy that plays Moriarty? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember his name, but he's in a lot of stuff. He's in that, uh, I believe it was Skyfall. One of the yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I I I feel bad when I don't know this guy's <laughs> name because I've seen him in a million things. Um, he is Andrew Scott. I bag a lot on like because I think he's trying to do an American accent, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's trying to do it all the way. Like I think it's one of the most fascinating accents Mm -hmm. because he plays it so crazy he's got some tinge of like irish and english Mm -hmm. and then u.s i could just listen to that stuff all day for whatever reason Mm -hmm. the cabinet of calgary doctor man (laughs) it's fascinating because the guy's got okay so the the doctor is this old dude that's all mysterious and everything he's got this hypnotized dude locked in a cabinet the whole time and, like, he'll take him out and, like, feed him and stuff like that. But the guy's completely hypnotized. Mm. He's the somnambulist, or however you mm-hmm. pronounce it. And, like, he's just kind of parading this dude around, like, showing him off to, to girls and stuff I like that. I saw it probably six, seven years ago. I don't remember much about it. Man, the, the set work on there. Like, you could see. Well, yeah. I mean, what's that's what's immediately yeah. memorable is all the visuals in that. Oh, yeah. It's all, obviously, visuals. But, like. You know, the the techniques, like, he was just, he'll focus in and do, like, a, you know, a, a fade to black and then pull it right back out. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's just, it's cool. Hmm. If I were on drugs, it would be really cool. I'm on drugs! <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I love music. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on drugs! <laughs> I'm happy to report that it looks like everything is looking beautiful. Okay. God. This you feels s- this feels right. Mm-hmm. I did not feel right talking into that, you know, condenser mic. I'm sorry. I just Maybe it was because your clothes were off. Mm, yeah. Dude, that studio got so fucking hot, I wanted to take my clothes off. Like, we think it gets hot in here, but that was fucking mm-hmm. toasty. Toasty. It was toasty.